Darling, didn't anyone ever tell you the rules you use to judge yourself aren't real? Hello, hello, hello. It's Rebecca Biggie. I'm the founder of The Body Image Solution. We are an organization that is bringing up a generation of women who feel confident in their natural bodies. It's a great thing to be a part of. It is a great thing to get involved in. If you want to have a more meaningful, confident relationship with your body, go to The Body Image Solution check out the eight-week program and really get started understanding different ways that you can build a good relationship with your body, where your body image issues are coming from, all that jazz. It's a fun time. It's deep work. I'm not going to lie. It's like, you know, you're going to dig up some things you didn't know was there, but it's a good time. At the end of the day, you're getting to know yourself. You're getting to know kind of these answers to questions that are rumbling around in the back of your mind, taking up mental energy that you didn't even know it was taking up. So that's one thing we can start with. Here's another thing. I am excited because I get to go on a plane again soon. I get to travel. I am going to Chicago for a work event. Yes, I have a nine to five job. I work for a company called Gartner and they are amazing. I work in sales for Gartner and uh, I get to get on a plane. That means I get to fly Delta. That means that I get to rack up some sky miles. That means that I get to go to the Delta lounge when I go to the airport. I am weird in that I love airports. I love airports. I love flying. Maybe because everything in an airport is just ridiculous. Like lines are ridiculous. Prices are ridiculous. Sometimes the plane doesn't even show up if you're flying on an airline other than Delta. Like airports is just, it's chaos. And so I know that going in. So I'm more of an observer of the chaos than a participant in the chaos. Because I'm like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. What's hilarious to me is when people get to the airport and complain about anything at the airport. I'm like, dude, you're at an airport. You know that this is like the wild west, right? Like, like nothing could shock me if it happened at an airport. I would be like, yep. Okay. (laughs) Like, oh, the line is long. Oh, the bathrooms are all like weird and messy and disgusting. Oh, a bottle of water costs $12. Welcome to the airport. Isn't it fun and exciting? It's amazing. You never know. You never know what you're going to get. But Let me just clue you into a few little tips that are going to change your life. Nothing to do with the topic of the episode, but since I'm on the airport uh, topic, if you do not have TSA pre-check and you fly more than twice a year, you need to get that. You need to get that. When you have TSA pre-check, you don't have to go through the long line of security. You go through the short line. You don't have to take any laptops out of your bag. You don't have to take your liquids out of your bag. You don't have to take off your shoes. You just walk through. You put your bag on the belt. You walk through and you're done. It's the best thing ever. 
It is the best thing ever. So get TSA PreCheck, fly Delta, obviously, uh, and get a Delta Sky Miles card. I have the Platinum American Express one because you get a free companion certificate every year. What does that mean? It means if I'm going to LA and I want to take my friend to LA with me, they can fly for free. I just have to pay the taxes on their ticket. Now, you can only do that once a year, but still, that's amazing. That's like worth it in and of itself. So the Delta Sky Miles Platinum card, look into it. I've got a referral code. If you scroll to the uh, show notes, the description of this podcast episode, you'll see it in there. Just tap that link and it'll say Rebecca referred you and I will get bonus miles and you will get bonus miles. It is the gift that keeps on giving. I love it. I'm a big fan. So let's slightly transition into the topic of this episode, shall we? Now that you know about my upcoming travel plans. I think it's interesting that one of the rules we have been taught as women in our day and age, in our culture, in our time, is that the primary purpose of our body is to attract a mate, (laughs) to attract primarily men, right? But I want to be inclusive and I, I realize not all women are attracted to men. So I will say a mate. You want to attract a partner. And that's what we are told. We are told that the primary use of our body is to be attractive so that we get a partner, so that we don't die alone. And I think that there are so many problems with that cultural rule. There are problems from a self-worth perspective, from a sexualization perspective, from a unhealthy focus on marriage perspective and and what the purpose of our lives really are. Because let's take a step back. My philosophy education taught me to question everything, right? Question everything, ask why, understand different viewpoints, and then come to the conclusion based on what you have explored. And when you go through this process, when you think about women's bodies in American culture over the past few decades, there's a lot of content to sift through. There's a lot of food for thought. There are a lot of issues. There are a lot of problems. But the main one that stands out to me all the time is this hyper focus of marriage, of women, your ultimate goal, your ultimate purpose is to have a man pick you which is so messed up. Like it's, it's underpinning all the marketing campaigns, all the, all the things that we see, all the pressures that we feel to get through things fast, right? To, to get married before a certain age, to do things before a certain age, to look young. Like why? Like why do we need to do all these things? What is it that we feel like we need to be attractive? Oh, it's because we want a man to pick us. Or at least that's the cultural assumption. That's the cultural pressure when you peel back some of these layers. And when you can get to a place where you earn your own money, 
you make your own fun, you have your own sources of validation, and you have really solid friendships and community that you live within, that seemingly need for a long-term committed romantic relationship fades to the background. And I am saying that as someone who never thought she could say something like that. Because when I grew up, I was, I was focused on the fairy tale. The fairy tale of marrying my high school sweetheart. Like that was something that I thought that, oh, I want to do that. Like I want to marry my high school sweetheart. Um, no. Real glad I didn't. I don't even know if I really had a high school sweetheart. I dated a guy in high school who didn't go to the same school that I did and he was a year older and he like graduated pretty soon after we started dating. So like my high school experience, I didn't really date anyone, but so like didn't have that, you know, didn't get to have that like marry your high school sweetheart. That's like one life trajectory or goal that or rule that you have in your mind that's like, oh, this would be an achievement or like something cool. But then it became, I want to get married. My parents got married really young. And I think that's probably why I had this pressure or expectation to get married young. I'm from Minnesota originally. You know, the Midwest is very focused on traditional family. Everybody gets married young. There's nothing else to do there but get married, I guess. And that's really what's valued is relationship, family, and all that. And that's not to say that that's bad. It's not a bad thing to value, but it can have this at all cost mentality that becomes unhealthy. That it's like, no, I am not getting married at all costs. No. Like, no. (laughs) Because of what I mentioned earlier, I make my own money. I have my own fun. I, I have my own sources of validation. So like the normal things that you would get from a romantic committed relationship, I'm getting elsewhere. Like I'm getting those needs met. So it's no longer a requirement for my survival as a woman in the world to be married. It used to be. Like it used to be a requirement for survival. If you look back on human civilization, either you were a burden to your parents and a burden to your family, or you were married off to a man and then now you're his responsibility to to take care of and provide for because guess what? Women couldn't work. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't own property. We couldn't vote. It was hard times for, for my gender back in the day. But guess what? Things have changed. Things have changed. And you have to start thinking about that when you start to think about what the purpose and the use of your body is and what it could be. So there's what it is. There's how you feel about it now. And then philosophy, why? What else could it be? Let's do some thought exercises to break ourselves out of this pattern or assumption that the primary use of your body is to look good. What about your body tells you that? Nothing. I'm sorry. Bodies... (laughs) Bodies are kind of disgusting. Like if you really think about it, like we have to clean these bodies every day. We, there's always some kind of maintenance. You got to get a haircut. You got to clip your nails. You have to, you know, wax your 
facial hair so you're all smooth. I mean, okay, obviously some of that is like cultural conditioning as well, but like just thinking about the sheer amount of maintenance that your body requires, an intelligent person wouldn't look at that thing and go, yep, this is designed to be attractive. Like we're fighting against so many things that are like unattractive about these bodies. Like there's so many different products that I use on a daily basis to fight against things that are not going to be very attractive. But that this is just like what the human experience is. This is, we, we live in an imperfect world and we are imperfect humans. And so because of that, I do not see any merit in the argument that says your body is designed to attract a partner. Like, I don't think so. I think we need to look to the function of our body and see what does it do? What, what happens when it's not working correctly? Like that's what is really going to help you see the purpose for your body. And then based on that, that's what you should use your body for. So to walk you through that just briefly, and this is, this is kind of a lot, but these are the exercises, the mental exercises that you need to do to be able to come up against some of these internalized cultural messages that are telling you, you got to be thin, you got to be fit, you got to be young forever somehow, you got to get married young because if you're old, nobody's going to want you, like weird messages that just simply aren't true, simply aren't true. So as you think, what is the function of your body? Bodies can do a lot of different things. And if you don't believe me, you got to start challenging your body to do something impressive. So back in 2013, I was 20 years old, turning 21 in like a month. And I decided that I wanted to challenge myself to train for and run a marathon, 26.2 miles. Okay, this was coming from someone who couldn't even run a mile without stopping because she was dying, losing her breath, like hated every second of it, not a runner. The only reason I was in track in high school is because I thought the clothes the track team got to wear were really cute. They would always order these like sweatpants and t-shirts with the little shoe on it with the wing and I thought that was cute and so I was like yeah I'll join the track team <laughs> I'll join the track team if I can order those sweatpants and then I quit after one year because I hated it and I wasn't good so you know like I, I, I say this to get the message across that I was not a runner but I went to see my friend Ryan run a marathon the year before and I was blown away by all the different types of people I saw crossing that finish line like these were not Olympic athletes these were like regular looking people so I thought to myself well gosh if they can do this I wonder if I could this was always something that I never thought I could do so maybe I'm not thinking about this the right way because there are people who on the outside, I would think they would never be able to run a marathon, but they're doing it. So I must be missing something. And I was missing something. And it's the fact that your body will adapt 
to its environment. It will adapt. It will rise to the occasion or it will slump to the lack of expectation that you give it. So if you are struggling to see your body as more than a sexual object, like let's be real, culture sexualizes women like crazy. They treat us like sex objects. And if you are trying to break out of that, which please do because you'll end up attracting a lot better relationships and you'll be a lot happier if you break out of that idea that you are a sex object. Um, have some really impressive challenges for your body. And I don't mean vanity metric challenges like, oh, it would be really impressive if I could like have washboard abs. No, that's not what I'm talking about. And that's not that impressive. Like impressive for what? For what? To who? Oh, so that you can be attractive, so that you can attract someone. No, no, not doing that. Something that's actually impressive, like for a body to accomplish. So what I mean here is set some kind of goal for your body that's going to take a long time for you to be ready to do it. For me, it took five months for me to train for that marathon and run it. And to be honest, I should have trained longer because I was struggling. It was very difficult. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I still can't believe that I did it. And that's one of the ways, that's one of the things that I anchor my body confidence in is the fact that this body at one point in time ran a marathon. Like, okay, if I can't have respect for my body at a baseline because of that, then I got to check myself into like a mental institution or something like that's objectively impressive. Okay. It's objectively impressive. It's deserving of respect. And that's one of the things I anchor my confidence in. I don't anchor my confidence in whether or not my legs have muscle definition. Like what, what good is that for? It does nothing. That's a vanity goal. So think of something that you can challenge your body with that if you accomplish that, it will be an anchor for you. Run a marathon. I did it. And I feel fine. Run a marathon. And the way that I did it. So I think this was actually smart looking back. So I didn't start with a 5K. I didn't start with a half marathon. I just went full on the whole thing. I'm a pretty big risk taker. Like I, I'm like high risk, high reward. Like, come on. Like if I, then I only need to run one race and it was the marathon and then I'm done. And that was true. But what some people will advise is they're like, oh, you should do a 5k and then you should do a half marathon and then do the full marathon. Here's why I didn't do that. Because I knew if, if I did the 5k, and I got that medal for a 5K, I'd be like, huh, well, I suppose that's good enough. I don't really need to run a marathon. I, I would have given up, especially if I would have done a half marathon. I'd be like, well, half marathon is still pretty impressive. Most people don't run a half marathon. I don't have to do the full marathon. 
you get this false sense of accomplishment when you do these small little goals. Sometimes. Sometimes it's good to break things up into small goals. But to me, a 5K, that's not enough to anchor my body confidence in. Because to me, that's just not that impressive. I'm not saying like if you have run a 5K and feel really good about that, that you shouldn't feel good about that. I'm saying for my own mind, for my own self, I had the experience that I saw people who looked like they could never run a marathon. I saw them do it. So I knew in my mind that like, hey, if you apply yourself, you should be able to do this too. So I'm thankful that I just went full board, the full marathon, the first race that I ever ran and finished it because that was big enough for me to stick to the goal, for me to to, to put in the work that's required to train, to view my body as this like machine that needs certain fuel, that needs rest, that needs recovery, that needs strength, that needs all these different things to be able to accomplish this task. And ever since I ran that marathon, I have seen my body for so much more than just like whether or not I'm sexy in the eyes of men. That's like a nice little bonus sometimes, I suppose. But like my body is impressive to me because of what it has accomplished. So what I want to ask you and what I want to challenge you here is if you are struggling to see your body as more than a sex object, if you're struggling with body image, I want you to do something, use your body for something that you find impressive. Maybe, maybe you really want to learn how to dance. Maybe you want to learn how to go ice skating and be really good at that. Maybe what would be impressive for you is to be able to lift a bench press. Like, I don't know even what would be a good goal for that because I don't, I don't know much about bench pressing, but you know, whatever a really impressive goal would be for you and then work towards that. And you will start to see your body and how and the needs that it has through a different lens. You're not going to feel bad about eating because you'll feel it in your body that it's like, oh my God, I actually, I need fuel for this training race. Like that's how I would feel when I was training. I'd be like, I need to make sure I eat enough today because otherwise I'm not going to have enough fuel for my run later. I had never thought about my body like that before I trained for the marathon. Never. No, I was always like, how can I eat as little amount of food as possible without being hungry? Like, it's such a shift in perspective. And those perspective shifts over time, that is what is going to anchor your confidence because those are things that you experience. They're things that are true. And it's a good practice to really show yourself what your body is really capable of doing. Because once you see what it's capable of, it's almost impossible to value your body solely based on such a superficial and like kind of meaningless thing. It's like, yeah, the whole attractiveness piece becomes 
a perk. It's like a nice to have. But the main thing that you're focused on, the main value that you place in your body is my body allows me to, uh, first of all, live. Let's just start there. But it allows me to be strong. It allows me to do these things without relying on other people. One of the reasons that I exercise and, and work out like lift weights is because I want to be able to carry all my packages up to my apartment without like dying and hurting myself. Um, I need to be strong because I need to be able to carry stuff. Like that's just a fact. And so when I really took a look at how I was measuring my body, like honestly, it was obvious that the reason I felt insecure, the reason I felt the pressure to look a certain way or be a certain way or have certain features is because I wanted to be attractive. That was the main thing. And it was this cultural conditioning telling me that the main purpose and use of my body is to to fulfill the sexual fantasies and desires of men. Like, how sad? How sad is that? That's the message that most women and young girls internalize because of our culture, because of the movies we watch, the TV shows we watch, and those subliminal messages that you don't see until you see it, and then you can't unsee it. So all that to say, challenge your body to do something impressive, and that is going to put you on a different trajectory to value your body in new ways, right? Right. Okay, then. If you had an epiphany, a takeaway, if you loved this episode, leave a rating and review. And if you love this, if you are a super fan and you want access to Friday episodes, all my Friday episodes, which are fire, I should call them that, Friday fire. If you want a little Friday fire, subscribe to the All Access Confidently She through Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can get it both ways, any way you want it. That's the way you get it around here. And uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm Rebecca Biggie, founder of The Body Image Solution. If you want to get on our email list and get all the updates for that, go to thebodyimagesolution.com forward slash join to get all the updates, to get all the insights. Thank you for listening to this episode. And I will see you in the next one.